This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Definition and Pathophysiology of Shock by Dr. Anthony Olivero. Hello, my name is Tony Olivero. I'm a pediatric critical care attending here at Boston Children's Hospital. Uh, I'll be talking today about shock and specifically the definition and pathophysiology of it. Introduction. So what is shock? It's a tough question and a difficult concept to define, but overall it uh, can be categorized as an acute complex state of circulatory dysfunction that results in failure to meet uh, the metabolic demands of the tissue. There are generally considered to be about five types of shock, but at any point a patient may exhibit more than one type of shock. Those general categories are hypovolemic shock, cardiogenic shock, obstructive shock, distributive shock, septic shock. We'll go through each category and talk about the etiologies and pathophysiologies. Hypovolemic shock. Hypovolemic shock, which is defined by a decrease in the intravascular blood volume, which results in inadequate substrate delivery to meet the metabolic demand of the tissue. This is the most common type of shock in pediatrics, and as far as etiologies go, gastroenteritis uh, is probably the number one cause in pediatrics for hypovolemic shock. Results in fluid and electrolyte losses and is typically fluid responsive, and in another uh, lecture series we'll talk about the evaluation and treatment of shock. Other causes of hypovolemic shock can be endocrinopathies, including diabetes insipidus and DKA whole blood loss, including hemorrhage, and some crossover type things like burns and capillary leak syndromes. As far as the pathophysiology for hypovolemic shock, you generally have a decreased intravascular blood volume, which leads to a decreased preload, decreased stroke volume, therefore decreased cardiac output and decreased oxygen delivery. Initially, this leads to an activation of peripheral and central baroreceptors and a release of catechols to help maintain the blood pressure and perfusion pressure to vital organs. Cardiogenic shock. The next type of shock that we'll talk about is cardiogenic shock. And as you can imagine, it results from uh, acute, acute cardiac dysfunction, uh, again, which meets uh, is makes the uh, heart unable to meet the metabolic demands of the tissue. As far as etiologies for cardiogenic shock, uh, common ones include infectious and myocarditis, heart rate abnormalities, so frequently SVT or ventricular arrhythmia can result in a cardio or cardiogenic shock, and sometimes bradycardias can as well. Other things, hypoxic, ischemic events, uh, metabolic disorders, connective tissue disorders including lupus, JRA, neuromuscular disorders, including Duchenne's and spinal muscular atrophy, and toxin ingestions. Uh, one of the more common ones that we also see here at Children's uh, is congenital cardiac diseases. As far as the pathophysiology, they can be broadly categorized into systolic or diastolic dysfunction. 
as far as systolic dysfunction, it's an inability of the heart to squeeze and properly eject uh, an adequate blood volume, again, to meet the metabolic demands of the tissue. So toxins accumulate, there's myocardial edema, impaired calcium flux and cycling, decreased coronary blood flow, poor cardiac contractility, a decreased cardiac output, and ultimately decreased oxygen delivery. As far as diastolic dysfunction, it's slightly different and a bit more difficult to manage because there aren't many drugs available to treat it, but there's uh, impaired relaxation of the heart, so an inability to accept blood volume, increased left-sided or left ventricular end diastolic pressures, which result in increased uh, pulmonary venous pressures and the respiratory and hemodynamic effects afterwards. Obstructive shock. The next type of shock that we'll talk about is obstructive shock, and that's the inability to produce ad adequate cardiac output despite normal intravascular volume and myocardial function. I think the key things that differentiate this from other types of shock are that there's a normal intravascular volume and that the heart is functioning properly. And again, the end of that statement is that uh, the cardiac output is uh, unable to meet the metabolic demands of the tissue. Point of clarification. Etiologies for obstructive shock include acute pericardial tamponade, tension pneumothorax, pulmonary or systemic hypertension, cardiac congenital or acquired outflow tract obstructions, and pulmonary embolism. Pericardial tamponade, there's an accumulation of pericardial fluid which the heart can tolerate up to a certain point, uh, generally a pretty large or sizable amount of fluid collecting, which impairs the cardiac filling, ultimately decreasing cardiac output and oxygen delivery. Some things that you might see on exam or vital sign changes are pulses paradoxus, the narrowed pulse pressure, pericardial rub, and JVD or jugular venous distension. Distributive shock. The next type of shock that we'll talk about is distributive shock, which is a maldistribution of blood flow, which again results in inadequate substrate delivery to meet the metabolic demands of the tissue. Etiologies for this, anaphylaxis, spinal cord trauma or surgeries are common examples in vasodilatory medications and sometimes overdoses of drugs. As far as the pathophysiology, it's very similar to hypovolemic shock where there's some form of vascular uh, dilation and an inadequate amount of blood volume to uh, adequately perfuse the organ bed. Uh, decreased preload, decreased stroke volume, decreased cardiac output, and ultimately decreased oxygen delivery. Septic shock. Last but not least is septic shock, uh, which includes many of the problems seen in other versions of shock relative and absolute hypovolemia, maldistribution of blood flow, myocardial depression, and a variety of electrolyte and endocrinopathies. As far as septic shock etiologies, the majority of them are infectious, so we won't go into that. Uh, the pathophysiology, like I described, is hypovolemia, cardiac dysfunction, vascular tone dysfunction, distributive shock, and at a cellular level, impaired utilization of substrates. Phases of shock. Shock typically has three phases, and what the goal of 
the evaluation and management of shock is to recognize shock early and try and intervene to prevent the progression of shock. So the first phase is compensated where organ function is maintained. The second is uncompensated where you start to see organ dysfunction. You may see abnormal uh, vital signs at that point. You may see abnormal lab values. And finally, irreversible, which clearly we're looking to prevent. Um, shock is a dynamic process, so there's changes throughout, and you just want to be uh, very aware that uh, patients need multiple and serial exams throughout their course to properly evaluate them. So this concludes the uh, discussion on the definition and pathophysiology of shock, and thank you for your attention. Please continue with the next video, Evaluation and Treatment of Septic Shock. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.